Well, the Bible does some amazing things. It not only tells us who God is, but it also shows us what he expects in a response, what, it, what an appropriate interaction looks like between sinful but redeemed man and the holy and living and almighty God. And as I was laying out the preaching focus for this fall and looking through the lectionary at Luke's readings, it became clear that there was a pattern for this month that the passages looked at different responses of faith to God. And so last week we looked at the concept of responding, that God is kind to all, but not all respond. And today we're going to look at the, the call to be persevering, to be persistent in prayer. And then next week we're going to look at bowing and having a heart that is bowed before God. And then the week after that we're going to look at seeking, being God's seekers. So this, this sets up our posture of praise sermon series. So today we're, we're looking at this this parable, and I really like when, when the Lord or the narrator or Jesus directly gives us the answer. Um, there, in, in case we're unclear about this, he tells us in verse one that the purpose of this parable, this is Luke, he says, Jesus told the parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. That's the purpose. Always to pray and not lose heart. What we learn right away about God is this that he is concerned about the hearts of his people, that we don't give up. He wants us to be persevering. God is concerned, and so he, encourage us, he encourages us to persist in prayer. This parable raises an issue, and it doesn't necessarily resolve it. It just says, press through it, but it raises the issue of waiting. We hate to wait. I've never met someone who said, oh, one of my favorite things is when I just have to wait, <laughs> ever. I mean, and there's a thousand ways in this room that we can give examples of it, but the one that keeps coming to mind for me is the darn drive-through at Chick-fil-A. And, <laughs> and I don't catch myself in my, my lack of patience until I'm at the counter because I, I come flying around the corner and the drive-through, both lines are jammed, and I, so I pull into the spot and I go in, and the whole time I'm ordering, I'm looking out the drive-through window and I'm measuring, <laughs> did I do it faster? Should I have stayed in the line? And, and in reality, I'm trying to get a really good chicken sandwich that probably took 12 minutes to cook, but I want it in four minutes. So they were cooking the sandwich for me before I decided I wanted it. And I'm impatient that I have to wait one minute longer because there's an extra car in the line. We hate to wait. We hate that. And it's not just us. This is a, a human condition. Listen to Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my own soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long do I have to wait for a chicken sandwich? <laughs> That's not in there, of course. But, I mean, really, we, 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 we hate to wait, and it's, it's just a, an age-old problem, and we're crying out sometimes for more significant things and wondering, why the delay? Why is it taking so long? And this problem of waiting causes a couple of negative responses. One is the response of the skeptic, the person who is not seeing the whole picture or enough of the picture, and they come to this somewhat logical conclusion, either God is not good or he's not powerful. They think those are the only two options. If he's good, then why, then why isn't he fixing the problem? Maybe it's because he can't. 
Or if he can, and he's not fixing the problem, maybe he's not good. The skeptics have arrived at that, and it's one of the hardest questions to answer. And the only answer we can give on this side of things is to say, look at the cross. God is good, and he enters into our pain and suffering and demonstrates it. He is not above pain for himself, and he shows his love for us on that cross. We don't understand why things take as long as they do, but we know he is both good and he's all-powerful. That's clear throughout the scriptures. But the, the, the fact that we wait for him to resolve things causes some to doubt. The skeptic arises. That's why I was in Job preparing to preach today as I was looking at that amazing picture of this man who's declared to be a righteous man before God and did great things to serve the Lord. And, and then there's this unseen conflict that is between Satan and God, and then the results happen in Job's life, and then you get 37 chapters of Job and his three buddies speculating. Why is this happening? Maybe you're not actually a righteous man, Job. Maybe God's not good. Maybe, 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 maybe. And then chapter 38, I love it. God goes, stand up like a man, Job. I've got questions for you now. Where were you when I measured the foundations of the earth? Did you command the sun to come up or the harvest moon as it might be? He goes through several chapters asking these questions. And finally, because Job gets a picture behind the curtain of some of the bigger realities, he then is humbled and he moves to worship. And God does restore him at the end of that. But there, there's so much going on that we don't see. We can't see. I mean, at one point Jesus said, I have much more to share with you, but you can't bear it now. He would have taught more, but we can't handle it. We're just, we're, we are finite and God is infinite. And we have to be okay trusting that he's good and his timing is perfect. But that's hard. And he cares about our hearts and he doesn't want us to give up. So he says, persevere, keep going. And he gives us this parable to help us. Because the other problem with waiting is, is that we'll give up. We'll think prayer is not effective or God doesn't hear or he, he's, he's not gonna help me for some reason. And so we think, well, we'll just give up. There's a movie that I really like. It's an older movie now, and I'm reluctant to commend movies from the pulpit because there's always something negative about it, but I'm trusting you as mature people to, to wade through that stuff. But the movie Bruce Almighty hits both of those issues. And uh, Jim Carrey's the main actor, Bruce, he's, who's a newsman, and he, and he keeps being overlooked for a promotion. And he wants to be an anchorman, and he just can't get there. And he finally yells at God in anger about it, and God shows up and says, you think it's so easy to do my job? Okay, you can do my job, and gives him the power of God. So he becomes Bruce Almighty, which is a fantastic idea. And, and what happens, if I, can, if I could make an observation about the conclusion, is that you learn two things. One, that prayer is super important, and God hears every prayer. And the other is, let God do his job, because only God can do his job. And those are two good things to understand. I really like that movie for that reason. Let's let God be God, and let's pray because he hears, and prayer is that important. Now, prayer is easier for me to talk about than it is to actually practice, unless there's trouble. If there's trouble happening, we pray. We're great prayers. The minute there's a real problem that we see, we're on our knees begging God, just like this widow in the parable. We are crying out all the time. So the problem is that we don't see the problems. And if we were to pay attention, that we would then start to pray more fervently. 
Again, if I jump back to that Psalm, Psalm 13, as you read through these Psalms, you find um, all this talk about enemies. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? And lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Who are my enemies? Who are my foes? Sometimes we are in a pretty good place and we're not looking big enough that we think, ah, I'm okay, there's not really trouble. And we miss the fact that there's huge trouble and there's much that we should be praying about. And if we pay attention, we realize everybody's in trouble and then we wanna, then we'll start to pray more. Then we'll pray more passionately, more persistently. I am grateful when you turn in your prayer requests for two reasons. One, I believe in the power of prayer. And two, I believe that as a, as a pastor, one of my jobs is to pray for the people in my charge. And so you turn in those prayer requests, and Monday through Friday, we come and do morning prayer, and we intercede for our church. And there are times when I leave this room, and I walk over to the office, and I think, okay, now I've got to do the real work of administration and sermon prep and all this stuff. And then I catch myself, and I go, probably in the grand scheme of things, I just did the most effective work of my day, praying for the church that half an hour is probably more effective in the kingdom than anything else I'm gonna do the rest of the day because prayer is so important, it's so powerful. Now as we think about the problems, in the context of this passage, Jesus has just taught the disciples that a day of judgment is coming. And there's a long passage of what's gonna happen, how some will be taken and some will be left, and it's gonna be a a terrible day and a frightening day in many ways. and they, they wonder, where is this going to happen? And that leads Jesus to teach about the persistence. He doesn't actually answer their question. He says, be persistent in prayer. And then he tells this parable. So let's look at the parable quickly. There's only two characters in it. There's a widow and there's a judge. And the widow in that culture was particularly vulnerable. And throughout the Bible, God's heart goes out to those who are marginalized, who are vulnerable, the least, the lost, the last as we say sometimes, and widows had very little rights. And without a source of income, they had very little money, they were just very vulnerable. And so this widow couldn't pay the judge to get justice, she couldn't bribe him, which oftentimes was part of the corrupt system. And she had no advocate within the political system who could call in a favor for her. All she had was persistence. And she just goes and just wears the judge down until he does finally give her justice because she's annoyed him so much. Now, oftentimes in the parables and in Jesus' teaching, he gives a, a negative example. He's not saying God is like that. He's saying consider the contrast, how that works with an unjust judge. Think about what it's like for a godly and just and good judge. And so he gives a couple of things to think about. This, that judge, the first one, was only concerned with himself, whereas we see that God is concerned with his elect, it says. He's, sorry, he's concerned with his people. And the widow is helpless and has no advocate, but we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, one who intercedes and mediates on our behalf. He is constantly doing the real work of intercession for us, and we merely join in with him already. And when we think about getting justice, you should pause for a minute before you ask God for justice. I usually pray, God, have mercy, because if I really want justice, apart from that cross, that's a frightening thought. I can ask for justice because Jesus has taken my penalty on that cross, and so what should have come to me came to him. So that's really grace. 
I can pray for justice for my enemies, but Jesus wants us to pray that they would repent and turn back to him and experience the same kind of grace that I experienced. So justice is about putting things right, but understanding the gospel is that God puts things right by stepping in the place for us. That is really good news. So we have this advocate who goes between us and God's holiness, a mediator. And, and God is like the judge, he's powerful, but unlike the judge, he's loving. So this, this unjust judge doesn't care about people, he doesn't care about God, but God does care about people and he loves us and he's powerful. It also teaches us that he's available night and day. Whereas the unjust judge has hours, I'm sure, that he kept, you know, you go to the magistrate between nine and five or whatever, God is attentive around the clock. He is always attentive to our prayers. He's listening, even if you don't think he is. He's answering, even if you don't see it right away. And he does have the right sometimes to say, no, that's actually not the best thing for you. How many times have you prayed for a million dollars? If God was to give it to you, what might actually happen? You know, sometimes we ask for things that aren't good for us. Our children do. If you're a parent, your kids sometimes ask for things that you know are not good for them. And so you have to trust that he's loving. And so he might say no. Sometimes he says yes right away. But other times he says wait. There's a timing thing here. God is doing more behind the scenes than we realize. So wait. Yes, no, and wait are oftentimes the answers. And so God, though, is attentive night and day. And this shows us that he wants our prayers. Somehow, in the mystery of his economy and his sovereignty, his prayers are effective. And I think of James where he says, you don't have because you don't ask. In other words, there are things that would happen if we were to pray that aren't happening because we're not praying. But if we were to pray, then they would happen. And God has set it up this way, and there's a great mystery in this balance. But he actually invites our prayers. He delights in them. He wants us to come. He wants us to come persistently. Whereas the judge in the parable gets irritated, God does not. He does not get irritated when you keep coming to him and presenting these problems and asking for help and praying for whatever it might be. And the parable comes to a conclusion with both a promise and a challenge. The promise is formed in a question. Will God delay long over his elect who cry to him night and day? And the answer is no. I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily and then the challenge is, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes to the earth, will he find faith? He wants to find faith. He wants to find us praying. And he's asking, will I find it? Which is a challenge to us. Pray. Even if you don't have all the, the whole picture, the whole story, you don't know what's going on in the councils of God's throne room, you know he's good, you know he's powerful, and you know he wants you to pray. The posture of praise is to be persistent, is to persist in prayer. Seems appropriate to close with one, so would you pray with me? Lord, we don't understand many things, but we do know that you're good and that you are sovereign. We thank you for the encouragement that comes from this parable, that your ear is inclined to us, that you hear our cries. Lord, forgive us for the times when we have not prayed and stir up a vibrant prayer life in each one of us. Thank you for hearing. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.